0: How you doing? I'm Chris Driver, and with me is the indefatigable academic, Jordan Roy.
1: Yes, I am the HMS indefatigable.
0: (laughs) You say it much better than I do. (laughs) So uh, today on Frivolous Gravitas, we're going to be attempting to draw attention to cynicism, broadly speaking, um, to define its roots, its flavors, and spillover effects in modern society and culture as we know it. So, uh, welcome to the show once again. And I'll let Jordan take us off uh, just defining our terms as we usually do to start us off.
1: Yeah. So, um, <clears throat> excuse me if I'm a little uh, uh, froggy in the throat. Um, I've, uh, it's uh, been a bit of a long week. So uh, just bear with me. Throating
0: frogs makes you hoarse.
1: <laughs> yes. Uh, I don't really have a comeback to that. That's anyway. anyway? (laughs) Please don't. Um, So I've dealt with a lot of cynicism uh, over my, I guess, career. Um, But I think the other thing is that we've all um, dabbled in this. And there's also definitely times where cynicism is actually a useful tool um, because um, there's definitely people who we've met that do fit this description because um well we'll get into that i'm getting way ahead of myself so cynicism is a word that we all kind of know Uh, oh you're being cynical oh blah 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 blah, blah, this and that oh he's just cynical well what does it mean because um i remember way back when i'd use the word and i'd be like wait i use that word a lot i don't think it means what i think it means um so they just have the dictionary definition here, an inclination to believe that people are motivated purely by self-interest and uh, it's also known as uh, skepticism, but not in that way. We had, um, and we were discussed a couple episodes ago. This is more a belief that people are bad inherently, and they're only out to further their own ends personally. Um, now, this is a very... Uh this ends up being a very sad philosophy because it um it doesn't really hurt well it hurts other people but it hurts yourself a lot because you you're putting yourself in a position where um you are in a zero sum competition with every single person you meet ever. You won't be able to trust anybody. You won't trust your, you know, people, the professors and fellow students that are trying to help you. You won't be able to trust any loved ones because love is just a chemical, blah, 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 blah. You can, uh, relationships are all based on, you know, uh, gain rather than, um, you know,
0: uh, Sort of like a selfish for-profit model for everything, right? Yeah, whereas like, yes, and-
1: you could characterize, say, like me and my wife have a very selfish, uh, reason for being together but that reason for being together is because we want selfishly the other person to succeed and uh, and live a happy and meaningful life oh my
0: (laughs) but i guess Um, to start off maybe we should discuss the roots of cynicism because it wasn't originally intended to be or at least my interpretation of cynicism wasn't originally intended to be this sad you know dickensian outlook on life it was it was more to do with like finding joy and happiness and small things like very Buddhist and asceticism was a little bit too far <laughs> radical, but
1: it was a bit of an ascetic philosophy. because um, the word cynic itself does come from the Greek word for um dog. Uh and uh or like That
0: was after Diogenes, I think, right? Because he slept outside.
1: Yeah, because the Cynics were very um low maintenance individuals. That's Uh, one way of putting it. (laughs) And they would go around and they would, they would, uh, they would, um, they would practice, I guess, aggressive skepticism, not in like the Socratic style where you go around being like, why do you stand on two legs? And, you know, the kid would go, it's because I'm a man and Socrates would go, whoa, <laughs> no, um, that didn't happen, but uh, <laughs> it's not even a story of something that happened, but. um they well, would describe
0: some of the weird things that Diogenes did oh, just yeah. to give people a sense of like what his philosophy was and what he was leaning at just to yeah. get us started.
1: So Diogenes was a philosopher from um the ancient Greek states, and he would just go around uh he would live in a in a like a washing tub on the street with a bunch of dogs. Yes. And he would uh he's known for not wearing very many clothes, if any at all. And he's also known for being a jerk. <laughs> so there's this one story where Alexander the Great came up to him because he's this famous and well-known philosopher. And he comes up to him and be like, teach me your wisdom, blah, blah, blah. And he goes, you know, looks up at Alexander the Great, the, you know, uh greatest warlord of the time. He says, oh, you're standing in my light. Get out of here. And this is kind of like, you know, he's a, he's, Just because you have power doesn't mean you're anything, blah, blah, blah. You are just another man and you're standing in my light. All I, like what I really want is, you know, the sun to be shining on me. So it's this, there's this element of embracement of nature in ancient, it's not asceticism, yes, but like in ancient cynicism. So it does have a bit of a naturalistic um, go with the flow, uh, go with nature's flow sentiment. Um,
0: Simplicity and moderation above all else kind of thing.
1: Yeah. Kind of like an ancient Rousseauism. But um, I'm sure some philosophers watching this going, no, that's wrong. But yeah, of course it's wrong. But uh, and I shouldn't expect my camera to just.
0: Gravity works.
1: Yeah. So, so um, yeah, gravity does work. So we're all good. Um, (laughs) Did it just do it again? (laughs) okay so um <laughs> where was that? some other
0: some other stories about diogenes oh, yeah. like so, uh, yeah urinate in public or masturbate in front of people yes because of this complete lack of shame so foregoing any personal embarrassment or shame or right uh, any type of these social constructs that we derive to just you know get along with each other and not be offensive and Right, but he would
1: also argue like this is a natural thing that happens, like uh teenagers would this is just a natural bodily function. It's like, yeah, but could you not do it in my face <laughs> yeah uh, and like um it it he definitely disregards um a um uh cultural uh the the cultural restraints we place on ourselves to live in a culture and a society. Norms
0: um, and mores, basically.
1: Yeah. So when I say he's a proto rousseauist this is kinda of what I mean. He's also could be seen as like a proto-postmodernist. He's deconstructing Greek culture. One of his famous things is he's always pictured with a dog and some lamps in in his tub. There's that one famous uh painting. And one of the things he did was he'd go around with a lamp um, being the jerk he was. And everyone, he'd be like going around with a lit lamp in the middle of the day looking for stuff. And people would just like, he's doing the show and people would ask him, what are you doing? He's like, I'm looking for an honest man. Because, you know, it's impossible. Even during the day in full light, you still cannot find anybody honest because, and this is kind of where the cynicism comes in because everyone lies. And it's like, whoa deep and that's kind of where like when you're a kid diogenes is just the coolest because he's just this rebellious figure you know he's seeing the reality of the world blah 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 blah. And it's like everybody lies it's like yeah but so
0: <laughs> i do what i want. shut up
1: yeah and uh this is kind of where now uh, it's not to say the cynics the ancient cynics were um were not worth reading because like Again, they, they did put a lot of thought into their philosophies. Um, I do tend to lean towards, um, the Stoics and also, um, the Epicureans like Lucretius and Epicure. <laughs> but, uh, the, this is one actually, okay, tangent thought here. <clears throat> here we go on a tangent. Um, these, Philosophies of this time actually mirror a lot of the competing philosophies of our time because you do have this deconstructivist um, narrative in the cynics, and you do have this, um, you do have this stiff upper lip, uh, almost conservative in the Stoics, and uh, you do have this uh, almost um, scientific and uh, be good to each other, almost a um, liberal. Um, Okay, uh classical liberal uh philosophy. Uh that they're fundamentals with the um um with the Epicureans. Uh but that's just me riffing, so uh uh let's get back to uh the actual
0: topic at hand, which is
1: the cynics. So You were I'm talking not-
0: about how adolescents generally gravitate towards cynicism for that natural yeah. predisposition they have towards all things <laughs> negative and brooding.
1: Yes, so we will definitely be getting to that. Um so that's kind of a that's kind of a history of the 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 cynics and this it's kind of morphed over time like all these philosoph- ancient philosophies have done. And it, it when it, we when it gets to our time we again we have this natural inclination towards cynicism because you know, if everyone if no if everyone lies, yes, we do all lie. But like it, it, that's complicated. Let's not get into that. I don't want to that's definitely a philo- philosophical hole with no bottom. Okay, now, the problem is is that okay, cynicism, everyone's out for their own self interest because their nature is evil now, the problem is is that some people definitely are evil, <laughs> like you've met this guy who does things for why would why would you hit that person? why would you kick that dog like who kicks a dog like um or uh you know, they say. Just mean things just to get a, their own kick out of it. And there, these, these people are out there and maybe they need some help. But either way, in the moment, they're just evil and you can ex- you can treat them cynically. They're going to work for their own self interest, even though their self interest is, you know, do harm or something or just be a jerk. Um, so you can be cynical about these people, but to believe that everyone needs to be treated in such a manner because everyone has, you know, their own self-interest because i don't know some reason now when you're a kid um no not when you're a kid so one of the things that we have in our society now and I, i'm i know it sounds like i'm skipping around but um now you've definitely heard this in movies and in all of our literature where you have this character this hard-boiled character you know you're watching film noir or something which is definitely cynical um and you got this character who's like you know um where they're like why why you you know why you like this and they're like well everyone's only interested in their own self and then they sit there and they brood and they're just all hard boiled and cool and that's kind of the meat of what i'm getting at is you get this character and it's kind of we have this idea that it's kind of cool to have this hard boiled attitude towards life but But the
0: character is sort of modeled after our own natural um inclinations right Or are you saying that the character inspires that type of cynical thought in others? is it a chicken and eggs thing or yeah is it just...
1: it's, it's definitely a chicken and egg thing
0: because they're
1: not going to make those characters like those characters didn't come out of nowhere they, like you can just call it a Jungian archetype or you can say this is like you've actually met this guy or something but like people like that do exist um and we do have that tendency in all of us where we're just like you know you're having a bad day and you just want to punch the wall <laughs> no i don't ever have it it's like well, come on honesty (laughs) but um it's okay to be you know down a bit every once in a while um so
0: what's the art telling us about those characters that they're cool like you got this
1: like gruff detective sitting there and all you know what's the
0: allure to it like well
1: it's animalistic so it's sexy so it's Um, just
0: like a familiarity with our own nature kind of thing
1: yeah so what I kind of want to get in is that this 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 man, um, yes, man, uh, hard-boiled female characters, uh, they, I don't know, not dealing with that. Um, he's an adult. And you've got this dichotomy that this guy has grown up, seen the reality of the world, and has rejected it, and now is just fighting to survive. And that's tragic in every uh, definition of the word. It's absolutely tragic. And he's a tragic story and a tragic tale and living a tragic life in a tragic world. And yes, there is tragedy in our lives. There's going to be tragedy in every single one of our lives. And you know why. Um, But that's not all there is to life. And I think that's the allure of it. No, no, sorry. I'm, I know I'm running around. I'm trying to get to my main point, which is we have this false dichotomy, and this is definitely my main point, is that we have this false dichotomy in our society that enforces this, where um, you have optimism and innocence, and you know, um, uh, you know, exuberance, and all this are the realm of the ignorant child so you have this they're tied up with ignorance when you're a kid and you don't know the real face of the world blah 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 blah. and when you grow up you become you see the face of the world and you become cynical and hardened and you know um pessimistic and uh yeah, mistrusting because you are you know you're smart now because you're an adult that's it and now you have to survive because, you know, you've seen the face of the world and it's, it's terrible. It's like, yeah, but like you're allowed to have fun. <laughs> and this is, we all dabble in this because um of something I want to get into later, but, um and we've all definitely had this. So You grow up and you're you got this other trope that goes along with it that's you know the giving up on your dreams trope where it's like i grew up and i knew i wasn't become this or that it's like find another dream well no it's not that easy of course it's not that easy but like so what it happens is you start growing up and life hits you with all that stuff that you have to do as an adult because now you're not a kid Childhood is fun. It's great. It's, 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 it's happy because you're, you're learning and you're exploring and you grow up and everything, the novelty wears off of life and you, you, you end up, um, seeing the world as something, uh, more, uh, mundane and gray and drab. Colors aren't as vibrant, blah, 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 blah. You have to work for your happiness now. And you take that personally or some, tragedy one of the tragedies that happened to all of us in life um happened to us and then you take that personally and you know you blame everything that bad happens on external matters and that's kind of to me that's a recipe for disappointment but um
0: how does that fall under like the the purview of cynicism though like wouldn't in my mind my interpretation of cynicism would be that it would be a comfort <clears throat> to somebody who experiences tragedy to follow a cynic's perspective because Wait. it sort of lets loose the um uh, the the requirement of things panning out in your own your own favor for your happiness like a cynic's happiness is predicated basically on uh just simplicity like natural events and occurrences So wouldn't, wouldn't that sort of lend to somebody's comfort in, in the face of tragedy in the sense that it's just a thing that happened, you know, as a way to help them move on with it or. Yeah, that's like, there are ways of looking at cynicism that are slightly different. I think you and I got a different interpretation from it.
1: Your interpretation is seated. Um, comfortably in the ancient uh cynical school of philosophy which is a nice place to be because it's not it's not i wouldn't even say it's you know completely cynical in the modern term but the way we use it today is 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 completely different now what you described i would i would confidently call something like that um stoicism something happened that's life you can deal with this move on don't forget them or something or don't forget that it happened it's just that you're strong and you can you know in accept the fact that life is happening to you stoicism like it's marcus
0: aurelius um,
1: yeah, i
0: guess cynicism's like a preemptive stoicism it's like being stoic before things go wrong maybe um that's
1: one with that's a interesting more idea yeah with a more naturalistic uh uh, bent to it you know because stoicism um classical stoicism didn't uh they, they didn't really say you know uh reject humanity embrace monkey they were more um you know life's happening to you You live in a society you better live in that society you know uh but don't be a jerk about it play the play the middle and um be a good man uh kind of thing um so but the cynicism
0: to... you're referring to then is just how we use it more colloquially today like the everyday right. f- garden variety
1: so um like when i was studying this there's definitely two different forms of cynicism there's ancient um hi there's ancient um um there's ancient philosophical cynicism and then there's contemporary cynicism i don't actually uh, i couldn't find the line where um Contemporary cynicism kind of came to be, but um, my guess—and this is guess time—my uh, guess is that uh, the same way that the Christians kind of tried to control the rhetoric on uh, Epicureanism and other ancient philosophers, and kind of you know make it seem like their philosophies were not all they were crapped up to cracked up to be uh or were actually terrible um probably took it and twisted it uh so epicureanism became hedonism and you know uh do what you want ism and just feel good ism whereas in reality epicureanism was uh learn about reality be good to others and uh because being good to others leads to happiness and happiness is the goal of being alive so charity creates happiness so be charitable that's epicureanism but they said happy equals you know the seven deadly sins and then they 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 you know propagate a thousand years of propaganda later we've got you know tales of orgies so um
0: but i think it's also meant to like place a bold face on um on like appreciation of, of simple senses and stuff. Like they all sort of derive from the same. Right. So like the, sorry.
1: Oh yeah. No, but either way, um, what I think I'm describing uh, is what we call cynicism now, which is a tendency for us to um, demonize, uh, uh, demonize others uh, in our society for and blame it's definitely a blame game so everyone you know i'm i'm unhappy because society sucks because everyone's evil um and this really has very little to do with ancient cynicism um has some to do because you know there is a uh causal line between them but we've definitely been using it differently in the last um couple hundred years so what I really want to get up to is this dichotomy that we see in all of our stories now, like in our modern stories, um, where you have this idea that growing up is a loss of this innocence and a loss of this happiness and, um, it, and that you essentially that the world sucks. Um, now it does to some extent because entropy deal with it, I guess. (laughs) Um, okay. That was mean, but like, um, and it seems like as you grow up, you're giving up dreams, but I think what I want to get to today is that this is an illusion, um, because you're not really giving up on your dreams because your childhood dreams are very low resolution. Your childhood happinesses are fond memories and also you know they're simple pleasures you can go back to plato and he'll say well these are pleasures that make you happy what's a higher pleasure he'll ask you and then he'll tell you because he's plato and he loves himself um (laughs) um, read plato you'll you'll know what i'm talking about um He'll bring in straw man, one straw man after another to talk about how, oh, man, you convinced me you're so great, Plato. <laughs> uh,
0: <laughs>
1: poor guy. Yeah,
0: it's very convenient how his arguments fall in line.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's worth reading, though, somehow, but even though the flaws. but uh,
0: so- The nicest thing about reading Plato, though, is that he'll be the first to tell you not to take his word as the, the hard line truth. He'll yes. be the first to say that you should question everything I say, which most people forget when they're reading the Republic. He wasn't—he wasn't actually advocating for slavery and class structures, and you know things that we today um, vehemently oppose. Think but, of it
1: as a philosophical guitar solo. <laughs> yeah, <laughs>
0: um, wrought with all its imperfections, but it's there for the the delight of the onlookers.
1: Yeah. So, <clears throat> one of the things. The reason one of the reasons we do this, so we we transition from childhood to adulthood. And w- well, we see these we 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 get cynical because, you know, something hurt us and it's 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 we, we don't want to get over it. it's not just something that happened to us, it's something that defines you. you know, and, and we place ourselves as a victim of society instead of someone who's living their life. And we do this because it's cool. <laughs> and, and, and i don't know if i can define cool but we, uh, we you know we use that word a lot and i think it means exactly what th- uh we mean it to mean so as you're growing up you have you follow your parents you follow your parents everywhere and you're you follow their guidance you follow their word you understand them they are uh a beacon of light that you go and they, you know, you're, you're, you're learning and you're exploring and you're playing and it's, it's fun, there's no responsibility or little responsibility or l- some, if your parents are good parents. And um, either way uh, you get to a point where all of a sudden uh, stuff starts changing in your life. You start getting older, you start understanding abstract concepts and physical changes start happening. We all understand this. Um, I do remember a class where I had to explain the biological aspect of it cuz people didn't want to believe it existed. I don't know. Um, so this is puberty and it happens to all it happens to all of us and if it doesn't I'm sorry but whatever. Um, and what happens is you don't just change physically. We all we also change there's also a cultural and societal expectations and your place in that society change you you are put into different positions constantly because you're constantly changing now your your voice is breaking oh you're becoming a man you're like wow what the heck is a man um well it's a featherless biped um but you realize quickly that it's more than that and then you got to figure that out and your dad's not telling you what a man is and your mom's not giving you any clues so you're just like i don't know anything and then you reject that eventually um, through this sociological aspect of these changes, you reject um, what your parents knew. And then what happens is you are left with um, nothing. Now, nothing is not a, oh, I don't have anything. It's nihilism. You have no values to go on. And the only, the easiest, most basic value to go on is nothing matters. So you have this inherent nihilism that you're left with at some point. Now you, there's two things you can do. You can either cling to it, um, which is definitely a path to cynicism uh, or you can start building your own. And that's, it, it's hard. And you don't even sometimes even realize you're doing it because you're like, okay, I got to, I need money. I got to get a job. You're doing it right there. Um, well, why do you want to get a job? Well, cause I want to, you know, go be an adult and I want to go, you know, maybe have a family. I want to, I like some of these dreams that, you know, society has given me, like, you know, be successful. What does it mean? And then you can slowly figure this stuff out and you start building yourself. And it's hard and it's angry and it's frustrating. And then eventually you come back to your parents and you're like, I get it now. And they're like, Hey, yeah, we don't either. So welcome to the club. High five. Um, but these people aren't cool. They, they're, they're sitting around there, they're having barbecues like awkward you know, people enjoying each other's company and it's, it doesn't look cool because right now, you know, the cool people are the ones who, you know, sit in the car t- talking about how bad things are, how terrible they have it and how, uh, you know, uh, this and that. And right now, I feel like it's almost like we're being sold this, this, this particular brand of cool. <clears throat> and, um, You see these we're getting
0: like, what advantage does that play anybody to sell you uh, a loss of innocence? Wouldn't it be easier for people who are trying to manipulate you or something to get you to believe in them rather than nothing?
1: Right. Well, you see this in like the lone hero goes from town to town. Uh, having gunfights and stuff, and I'm just here to make some money and then move on, or the Lone Wanderer, or um, the Rebel Without a Cause kind of thing, or the, uh, the the Batman. The Batman, yes, the Batman's a very good one. The Well, actually, the Batman is uh, probably, I was going to get to this, but the, uh, the hard-boiled detective, kind of Maltese Falcon type of thing. Um, and these characters are easy to write cuz they're simple but at the same time you get someone like Batman who's like the city is a disease and I'm the cure or something and you know the people want to model it cuz Batman's cool right he's this guy and he goes out and he's got a purpose to fight the world <laughs> with his fists and but he's not actually building anything batman is a childhood fantasy of you know i guess power but i don't really want to bring power too much into this because you want power right you want to have power over your own life but everyone but then if everyone in the world wants power then everyone's fighting for the power that you are trying to fight for so everyone gets put in contention with each other
0: but isn't that the dream they're selling us that everybody yes. has the potential to be that powerful yes that's the whole capitalist dream manifest destiny like all those like psychological social pathologies that we follow and indoctrinate
1: our children with but if you want to build a like say you want to start a company you can't be cynical because you need those other people you need to trust other people that they're going to do a good job i have hired good people you can't say, oh, I've hired people and I gotta watch them like a hawk to make sure they don't steal from me. It's like, well, duh, because you know, you, you can't know if there's gonna be bad apples in the bunch, but you need to work with everyone you hire to start like a restaurant. And you can't just sit there uh you know, strong arming everyone and uh assuming that everyone just needs to be dominated
0: by uh, with
1: power uh because what's
0: the cynicism they're selling us then like what is that cultural thing that you're talking about well
1: it's in it like this this idea that everyone's in a power relationship with each other and that you need to assert your power on others in order to um in order to go in order to um make it in the world so the world is just essentially a Foucauldian nightmare um Essentially, everything is power. everything. Like knowledge equals power. Therefore, everything is power, and therefore, you're fighting in a zero sum scramble for this uh, a piece of the pie. And it sounds it's, very Marxist. Yeah, a lot of people have pointed this out. Yes, <laughs> um, but um, it does feel very Marxist because you have that cynicism on a on a class level rather than an individual level um and it definitely plays into um like identity politics quite a bit because you know your group is being you know ground under the heel of this other group and well what about me i'm not i'm doing fine it's like well individuals are just they don't matter it's like ah okay um step back please because this whole thing denies a uh cooperation between people um, this um, and it also denies an enlightened self-interest because yes we are self-interested I am literally just me and therefore I am interested in you know having me be able to eat every day and yeah, I'm interest- your
0: interests interest you go for yes
1: yeah. <laughs> but you know but like <laughs> the whole idea I guess this is goes back to kind of an Adam Smith and I like to think we've expanded on Adam Smith's thought. He's a good starting point, but um I do want things, but I also want things for other people. part of my happiness is dependent on the happiness of others and okay, well, you're just a good guy. it's like a lot of people who meet me do not think I'm a good guy um in fact i uh I'm told i ruffle i i I, I ruffle people's feathers quite regularly um
0: I don't know, whatever.
1: That's their problem. I think they're well. all
0: featherless bipeds. <laughs> nice.
1: <laughs> you get a point for that one. Um, <laughs> Less so, abrasive. <laughs> so we're sold this, that we're being placed against um, the system or these groups of Oppression or dominance or power or whatever. There's some big bad out there trying to get us. Either be it like the world is just a place, blah, 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 Okay. Oh, geez. Okay. Go away. Please. I don't want to talk to you. You're so, it takes a lot of energy, but it's cool. Remember growing up when you see those teenagers and they're smoking outside and they're just like, I don't care. And they're going through their little nihilistic phase. <clears throat> and, uh, they're just, you know, they look so aloof and, and like staring off into the distance. But like they're just going through their teenage depression. But what it looks like when you're a kid is, oh man, that guy's got it all figured out. That guy's got power. But then when you meet the same people as an adult, you're like, that guy's a dink. <laughs> and I remember this happened to me recently. There was a uh not recently, a couple of years ago, there was a guy I knew as a teenager. And I always thought he was this, like, he was, you know, above me in a hierarchy and he was always kind of like quiet and just stood there all stoically. And I thought, that's awesome. That stoic presence that we think our elders have. And then I met him he still got it, but it's kind of more, it's like, dude, are you burnt out? <laughs> and I had this realization that it's like, okay, I've matured uh, and he didn't, um, which was sad because I don't, I want people around me to reach their potential uh but we want to stay and be cool the way we were when we were teenagers if you're cool i wasn't cool i'm still not cool and i don't care anymore but we want to be cool we want to be part of the system and part of that is and the reason i go to our media is because Part of being cool is the performance of being cool. And the way we're cool now, I can't say we can control this. We can't control this because that's not how media works. That's not how art works. It's just going to go somewhere. I'm more saying don't trust, you know, don't rely on something that's cool. What is is that
0: though? You keep referring to what's cool and I I didn't grow up thinking other people were cool. (laughs) I don't really understand what you're, what you're referring to, to be honest.
1: Hmm, That's a good point.
0: Yeah. Okay. So I think everybody's going to have a different childhood, right? Like even though you and I grew up in the same city or whatever, like clearly our upbringing was very different. (laughs) So
1: I think to, to bring it to a definition, it's just a person that represents in your group, the um ideal of what you see as uh being near the or closer to the top of the hierarchy um and when you're a kid the hierarchy is composed of banal stupid shit. <laughs> because it's like what's cool when you're a teenager well race cars just motorcycles <laughs> explosions like you're not the most nuanced person on the planet so and this changes this is different for everyone um so um <clears throat> i didn't really see it as like i didn't I can't define it back then but I, I i noticed certain whenever i was in a group certain people were the focus of they were kind of the rudder of the group they were the ones that set the tone they were the ones that set the um that set the um, (coughs) direction and and wheel of the group. And, (coughs) excuse me, I don't have COVID, I'm sure. (laughs) And they... um,
0: I mean, I was loud and aggressive, so naturally, I, I was pushing everybody in my group around to do the things that I thought was interesting or well. You, you were know. definitely. I remember meeting
1: you. And I you wouldn't were,
0: call that cool. I would call that no. ADD hyperactive or something. Right,
1: but the thing was, is that I was definitely not cool. I remember meeting you and noting that you were used to being um, the sorry, center know, of attention
0: constantly. Yeah. <laughs> so
1: the you were you were you were used to being near or at the point where you could, you know, uh, direct the group to some extent. And I remember that acting as something that pushed me to not be like, oh, Chris Senpai notice me be like, you know, I, d- I didn't want to be a lackey. I wanted to be an equal. So that pushed me to become what my conception inside that group would have been something to be cool. And I had to figure that out. And I was actually going through a, I need to figure everything out phase, which was kind of perfect. Um, and. Um, because yeah. my
0: inspirations for that type of thing was always just confidence. My, my whole motivation when I was young was profit. I just didn't want to be poor ever again. So part of that was learning like the psychology of interacting with people. So like yeah. I read things like Zig Ziglar and Dale Carnegie and. Oh, man, I remember all that those music. kinds of things. And it was all about like a forced projection of the person you want to be. So even yeah. if you're not there yet, the whole fake it to you, make it BS or whatever. There, there's some, there's some the truth thing, to it because you, f- you're sort of familiarizing yourself with the type of person or the type of behaviors that you'd like to see in yourself. But I don't think I could sell my personality to another person. I don't no, think anybody else could just adopt my way of being like you. Well, everybody discovers their own way of being, I think.
1: And I think that's why we got along so well is because I didn't try and become like you. No, like nothing a, like like, that. like a lackey. I wanted to be equal. I wanted to be, uh, you know. Um,
0: individual. Individual. And um. But sort of I'm I'm trying to bring this back to where I asked actually, you like what cool is because there is some now, type of general consensus of what appeals the, to groups of people, right? The
1: idea of confidence though that you brought up is actually key to that, I think. And someone who's confident um I guess enacts their will. They get what they want. Uh or they just take it because that's what you got to do.
0: You got to stop deep throating the frog. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but um yeah, eventually this is just going to become a Batman cast. Um we
0: should do a Batman episode.
1: <laughs> oh yeah. It'd be dark.
0: Anyway. <laughs> like so, a cave with the cats in it. <laughs> yeah.
1: Sit there with my loneliness and sorrows. Uh that person <laughs> is not confident. If they're confident, it just comes across as violent. Now Confidence is. You brought this up, and this is this is this is. I think one of the key things to it is that um, everyone wants things they want. Yes, people do want things. It's like, but they're not um, they're not in it for themselves because they want to exist generally. As you know, you want to be part of a group. You want to have friends and family and blah 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 blah. It's just sometimes your family sucks. Sometimes there's you know there's no friends worth having in the school you know you just get dealt a bad hand um and that sucks but that doesn't mean that you know everything's a write-off so when you have when you have confidence you can just people think well confidence means I can just take what I want no confidence is something a lot more nuanced and I think we touched on this to some extent is we were experimenting you know, faking it till we made it to some extent. But the thing was, is that we were in faking it till we make it, we were experimenting with our own individuality in a setting that allowed us to do it. Um, And that is that confidence uh, gave us some gravitas. And eventually we made it. Uh, We became who we are. And now we are these people who can be confident in our own skin and that's the confidence that is a lot more healthy than i oh, just take what i want you're confident because you're used to just and this is kind of that corporate jerk um thing where these just like you know you just strong-arm people into do what you want and i've met these people uh, my last landlord actually two landlords ago he would just bully he would try and bully me into getting me to sign it a thing and i'd just be like no I'm not doing that because he was used to weak people coming to him and just being like, this is the way things are going to be going. Uh, Just sign here, blah, blah, blah. And that's not confidence. That's imposition Um, because that person is cynical. They think that they can get what they want by pushing people into doing what they want through force rather than...
0: Well, most people are that type of pushy are really insecure just to begin with like usually belligerent people are the most unhappy insecure people out there and And, they're sort of um asserting their dominance excessively in an attempt to overcompensate for their own feelings of low self-esteem or whatever it is but i i find it hard just to, to say like the difference between maturing And developing character, which I call confidence as part of character. I think everybody grows into their skin eventually. Um, We just have different skin. So some people that might seem meek and mild and timid or pushovers might just be self-sacrificing to the world and say, well, if this person wants to be a jerk and needs it that bad, I'll just capitulate just because I'm a bigger person without making a stink over it yeah not and saying well, that's how i do it i fight people all the time but <laughs> well it's i don't think there's a right or a wrong way to do it
1: like the just because you've matured doesn't mean you're not gonna um stand up for yourself and the, the other well and you put that great because um you know a different instrument needs to be played in a different way mm-hmm. um and we all have to master ourselves because even though we're all human and you know we can read the same books and get the same things, but we have to adapt. We have to apply those cause we're all using, you know, we're all on the same hardware, but we don't have the same software, which is a rough way of putting it. But I think our viewers get the point by this. <laughs>
0: um, so my. Well, that leads me back to my question though. Cause I still don't really understand like, how do, how, how do we find things that groups think is cool? Like like, how are kids gravitating towards some school of thought that they don't even properly understand just because it's alluring? Like what is that that um you know what I mean? Like what's yeah. causing that that attraction towards cynicism, do you think?
1: Um, I think and I know, this is gonna sound conspiratorial, but I don't think I'm wrong. Um, which is usually a red flag when someone says that, but, <laughs> <I> th- <laughs> but, uh, self-awareness, I think self-awareness. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to still dive into that pool. There's definitely, and as long as I've been alive, at least, um, there's been a cult of youth in our society for at least since the eighties, um, where, you know, what people want to be is young well yes it is good to be young because you're you know for the obvious reasons you have a healthy body um you uh have all that energy you're not as slow but we're forgetting that there's things that you gain with age that are much that are very um valuable almost more valuable in some of those things um
0: like being quick to be patient
1: Yes. Uh waiting is as Heinlein would say. Um what does that mean? It just means sit down and enjoy wait and like be. <laughs> um and I think this we have in our society that youth equals good and not only good but ideal. And so you see this when I brought up uh the idea of uh in our um I think it was our uh it was like three episodes ago when we were talking about overprotectionism um and um uncertainty on the uncertainty episode. Uh, and we've got this idea that when you grow up, you become this you morph into this evil, bitter thing. And you know, you don't but what I realized when I grew up was that I got smarter when i tried harder but i also once i got through that nihilistic phase personally i was able to rediscover my past joys like i you know for a while there i like hid all the things i liked in my brain and in my life and i remember my even my apartment um at the time reflected this there was very little um that could be uh of opinion my books would have been hidden my uh my my anything that could have been anything other anything of an opinion would have been hidden so that i was um i didn't want to expose myself to the world but eventually i realized it's like dude just like what you like in all honesty and enjoy the things that you like and you, you, i slowly kind of started to embrace the things i was allowing myself to like in an honest manner now when you're a child you enjoy things honestly and you have to relearn that to some extent as an adult and i think we have this idea in our society that you have to grow up to be a bitter person just because your father was bitter or because that woman at work is just this um you know disruptive female dog and you don't have to be like them. You can grow up and be what you want. It just, it's, it's a little
0: harder. <laughs> That's sort of also a fact, a function of exposure too, right? Like kids are only going to see their parents most often. Yes. Uh, like their only idea of what an adult is, <clears throat> generally speaking, is going to be their parents and their parents' friends. Yeah. And okay. if you go to church or something, and there's a whole bunch of like adults and seniors, but most of them ignore you when you're a kid. So you don't actually really get, interaction with them
1: yeah or when you do see them it's like oh aren't you cute you get the same interaction over and over again you're like oh man old people are tedious not because (laughs) like oh they're so wise but every interaction you have with them is just they're happy to see you they say what how cute you are and then it moves on it's like oh man how many of these do i have left i remember counting like there's five more
0: of these that means 15 (laughs) minutes oh man (laughs) but But like to take it back to cynicism, then like we're talking about um, kids growing out of their innocence and finding some sort of solace or camaraderie or something in a group think of cynicism. And I guess I'm sort of picking at you to try and figure out if we can articulate exactly what that platform is, like what the. Yeah, I don't what draws people towards it. So,
1: oh, well, it's easy. Um, It's the world's fault. It's not mine. I didn't do this. The, the world made me like this. Uh, you know, I'm just reacting to it. I'm, you know, I I had dreams and the world crushed them. It's not my fault that I didn't follow them. You know, it's nice and easy when you externalize all your problems, right? It's 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 this, you know, it's this, you know, it's like a nice long band-aid that lets you not look at the wound on your arm. Um,
0: and do you think parents are reinforcing those beliefs, though, by, like, coming home dejected from work and, you know, gossiping about their friends or, you know? I, I think a lot of it comes down to how parents are around their kids.
1: To like, some extent. Considering they're um, fallible
0: human beings, it's completely understandable for them to not be perfect. But that's got to rub off on a kid in some way, shape, or form, right? Well,
1: to some extent. Because, well, either, either one of the ways things they could do is they realize the word, world is... um uh, the world is very difficult, and they 're going to have to steal themselves um, but kids we, we like again, we have to trust our children uh episode two or three or something and to understand that just because I think one of the things is that if we if if, if as a parent I come home i 'm dejected and I hit a bottle and i and i don't find a center when I get home they're gonna see that as a valid way of solving their problems. Now, that doesn't mean as a parent, I don't know, I just read this poem uh, actually about two or three days ago by um let me see if I can bring it up here. Oh, I still have it up good. By Robert Hayden called Those Winter Sundays, where his he thinks back the uh, the poet thinks back to his dad who was not nice to him, but the thing was is that he wasn't um He didn't hate his son. He did everything for his son. He sacrificed everything for his son, but his son only saw the rough hands. He only saw the cold demeanor. He only saw, he didn't get that affection that you know all our parents, all the parents nowadays feel that their children need to have. Oh, they need to be smothered in love at all times. It's like, no, the dad gave him food. He polished his shoes. He had driven out. So he says, speaking indifferently to him who had driven out the cold and polished my good shoes as well. What did I know? What did I know of love's austere and lonely offices his dad lo- his dad's love didn't show, and this is kind of um he had a cynicism about his dad, and then he sat back and when it was too late um and said, "Oh man, I was so wrong. My dad loved me, he just didn't show it in that way, and we can." we can see and we can grow beyond what we know. And we can also go beyond our own programming uh, to some extent.
0: And I think... So that's sort of how it's like the, <clears throat> the microeconomy, economy the, the household, the family dynamic evolves mm-hmm. cynicism. Why don't we talk a little bit about how the culture inspires yes. cynicism? So... Um, One step out further from, from the community's perspective, how that influences cynicism in, in the young adults. Yeah. Um,
1: I think a lot of, well, the films are written by filmmakers and filmmakers aren't, well, they focus on how to make a film and not the type of, and not, you know they're not exactly philosophers um well, some of them are nolan's pretty deep <laughs> i like nolan he he he's dark but um i think sometimes he gets a little too overtly complicated
0: uh, yeah that's that's a common theme though with sharp-witted people <laughs> yeah i'm sure um, beethoven and bach tripped over their own sonnets once in a while too
1: yeah watch this and everyone's like cool
0: but uh the um
1: I think one of the things is a lot of people are making, um, well, you have these ideas that um, we're making a lot of stuff for, okay. So yeah, here's where I want to go. I hadn't decided where I wanted to go until that exact moment. We're making a lot of stuff just for children. And when we make stuff for a child, you can't enjoy it forever. Um, I think back to Keats, the thing of beauty is a joy forever. Well, a thing of childhood is a joy for a child. Um, and it, when we present these stories which are inherently simple to our children rather than telling them, you know, a story that they will that will kind of expand in their mind as they grow up, uh, I'm thinking like Lord of the Rings or something, which, you know, as you grow up, you're like, oh man, this makes more and more sense. And, you know, five years later, it's like, whoa, I get it even more. It, it, it expands, it unlocks. It's like a zip file slowly opening up in your brain. But we're presenting something like, um, I don't know, the Hunger Games or Harry Potter or something. Harry Potter is not actually that bad because it, it, it's, it's just kind of good versus evil, but you get something like there's a, class war happening in the, this world. And this is, you know, a bunch of teenagers have to fight the power in order to survive it, blah, blah, blah. And this is where like pushing this out because kids seem to be eating it up. And if I didn't have this oppressive, you know, force on me, then I don't, then I wouldn't have had to give up my dreams of being the whatever this or that. And right now we're telling a lot of stories
0: of victims. Um, that's so it. true. <laughs> yeah. and, I never even noticed it before until you said it like that. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, I'm having trouble. Tell up about with the example. conquering victim. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And which is great because I remember when I was a teenager, I loved revenge movies. Oh, man, did I love them. Revenge movies like um, Payback Bo- was the best with Mel Gibson. Payback, <laughs> uh, Boondock Saints was great. You know it's just like they everything got everything
0: by us. schwarzenegger van damme and stallone <laughs> yeah um
1: old boy was like <laughs> like these movies on revenge where it's just uh like taken you know the dad goes out and he just destroys the guys who hurt him which is kind of cool but um when and then you get like something like batman who's just like i am a force for justice and Without defining what justice is, we think we see ourselves in this light. I have to go and fight something. I have to go and destroy something. I have to go fight the thing that's holding me down, holding me back, that's hurting me. Well, it's like
0: looking for an aggressor when there is none, kind of, right?
1: Right. And you're the one hurting yourself. <laughs> it's mm-hmm. like you go on social media and there's the people that go on and be like, Oh, my life's so depressing. And you see all these memes that are just like talking about how depressed they are. And it's like, well, that sucks to be you then. I guess I, don't know what to say about that good luck with that I hope you find some meaning in your life but we're being presented as if um, you know you grow up and stuff gets bad and now you have to deal with overpopulation or uh, you know the a um, the terrible economy this economy's always been terrible like literally since the dawn of time <laughs> um, but the uh, or you have to like deal with the environment, which is actually an issue. Um, um, but it's not like, I don't know, you see someone like, um, actually Greta Thunberg is a good example of this, where she just goes up in front of people and goes, you know, accusation like you did this to me, I should be in school. It's like, yeah, you should be. Then you'd be able to learn, you know, ecology and help with the problem <laughs> instead of, but, no you're just going to go out and complain and that's not useful so we have all these our role models are actually terrible right now so they're 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 presenting the world in such a way where you don't have the world isn't okay I've been saying this okay so what about a good role model um i keep getting back to lord of the rings cuz it's just it's that story. Okay, it's a Catholic story, but not really. Um, but these people are caught up in these events and they have to deal with it. And the ones that don't deal with it are like uh come to a bad end because they succumb to their evil. You know, we see like Boromir who made a mistake and he paid for it, or you know, the the evil guys and you know, they the ones who are saying, Oh, I can as long as I, if I could just fight them, I could do, but then they end up corrupted. Um, like, uh, you know, the King of Rohan is being whispered into his ear. Oh, these people are coming in to get you. Uh, that's Gandalf here. He's coming in and he's going to, he's coming in and he's going to steal your throne. All these people are here and they're going to take over your, your realm and blah, blah, blah. When in reality, it's just this guy. <coughs> <coughs> this, sit in the frog, but, um, and this is just this guy whispering in his ear, all the things that, all this poison, this, this cynicism, you know, everyone's out to get you, you've got to protect yourself. And he just starts withering away, um, into this decrepit old man when he was still kind of, you know, he's not, he's fewer days ahead than behind, but he's still strong and he's still the king. And this cynicism, this poison dripping into his ear makes his kingdom weak and it makes his, uh, rule, um, It makes its rule uh, succumb to these, you know, evil forces that are coming out of the
0: uh, coming out of the East. So this, yeah, go ahead. Sorry, on that note, you've mentioned it a few times now, and I can't help but bite. So I'll play the Socratic godfly for a second here. Please. You're talking about evil people, and I firmly believe that all people are like me. They intend to do well. Some of them might be mentally unstable and they might commit evil deeds just based on greed or, you know, human nature stuff, uh, crimes of passion or whatever. Mm-hmm. To say that somebody is inherently evil, like they were born evil, sort of suggests uh, a line of reasoning that I know you object to, which is the inherited sin.
1: Yeah, you're right to pick this out. Cause, Sorry. Um, <laughs> no, just... one of my students actually... Um noted this too because he was we were talking about we're talking about history and there's people like there's some dark stuff in history and I'm not glossing over it. I'm um and one of the things he noticed is like, but it's it's more complicated than I'm like, you've got a lot of promise. And I'm thinking that. But Mm -hmm. um and he we had a discussion and it was actually kind of neat because I we went through it and it's like okay there's there's just people. And there's people that do good things. And then there's people that do that do bad things. And sometimes, you know, you are a person who is doing a bad thing and you're a person who's doing an evil thing. And it's hard to know. But most of the time, you're a person who's just doing a thing. It's not good or evil, you know. Um, you could be making mistakes. Whether or not that's evil uh, depends. But I get that like Solzhenitsyn line where it's like the line between good and evil is – goes down the heart of every man which is true because we can make a choice now sometimes you get a person that just kind of always seems to make an evil decision and sometimes you get people who just seem to do good things all the time without trying and so that's kind of the nuance where i sit um some of us are definitely more inclined one way or another or even to be inclined to be you know somehow extremely neutral
0: Um, or ignorant of the ramifications of their their actions right it does help to be a bit smarter (laughs) well i mean self-aware not just like intelligent as in i know things because i read things but like awareness of other people feeling things is really important to how you you react and respond to other people because you influence other people's feelings
1: yeah and i don't want to just say that it's all your. I don't even want to say that it's, you know, good and evil is just your choice either because um, you get a dog, you can breed dogs for aggressiveness and uh, hostility. Um, And there's something about the way they're made up that just inclines them to just attack everything. And um, I know it's gauche to say this now, but. Every once in a while, you get a person that's just inclined to
0: be angry or... Um, Wouldn't that be suggestive of an illness, though? Could be. Like um, a mental dysfunction, if they're predisposed to feeling angry all the time. It almost gives it more cause to pity the person than to chastise oh. them for their... Their ill well, needs.
1: actually yeah that's exactly right because like you just oh man he just wants to fight everything and there's nothing because just his chemistry is such that he just
0: yeah it's pitiful okay,
1: it's pitiful see. but you can't be like if it's if it's one's choice i find it very hard to pity that person if it's not their choice uh because they're ill or it's just unfortunately who they are uh they were dealt a bad genetic hand then it's um pitiable but if you know someone's belt delta you know saintly hand and they just go around helping people um they're admirable but if they if someone chooses in spite of it to be good then that's
0: almost more admirable i think what's the harm in a cynicism that leads somebody towards benevolence would be my follow-up question of that I'll
1: counter your question with a question. Can cynicism lead to benevolence?
0: Oh, absolutely. Like, How so? If you're trying to scrap all your stuff, and like when Diogenes had a, a cup that he used for water and it was his only utensil, and he saw a kid drinking water from a fountain out of, the, out, of his, out of his hands, he gave his cup away. So like the person who received the cup would consider that a benevolent deed for somebody who has absolutely nothing sleeping on the street to offer up their only possession but to him, right. he didn't care about it because he was a cynic. <laughs> so is that true benevolence? Is that goodwill? Is that even something to be lauded or is that still a reprehensible evil act of a cynic?
1: Well, I think this is a fun place to play in because, um, if I put my cynic hat on and it all depends and cynicism is a lot about, um, relative perception of events, because if I put my cynic hat on, why did Diogenes do that? Um, what made him like, what did he think to get out of that? Like he just wanted to look like a good guy. He just wanted to show that cynicism is, you know, something that's good. Uh, you know, being cynical about cynicism. Well, That's why
0: Jesus got crucified, right? It was to yeah. make a show. It was literally the reason he let himself be crucified. So there has to be some kind of uh showmanship or. Uh, yeah. Um, theme to be played there
1: might be something about the ritual of sacrifice um,
0: oh there's a whole bunch of embedded oh, yeah. meanings and and
1: yeah you know, but it depends you it. can be and that's the thing cynicism is just one hat you can wear and don't make it your personality um because I've used it before to dissect, um, you know, arguments and to figure out what's going on. Like, cause you can be cynical. Cause if you do find someone who's definitely power driven, cynicism is a great tool to evaluate that person. Then you take off your hat when you look at, you know, his chief lieutenant who's like, you know, a, um, benevolent schemer or something who's just like how do i get food to the poor people of this country you know something like that um and you can't look at him with the same hat because that doesn't it doesn't explain their actions as well so you can take any situation why did that guy fix my car well because i paid him well maybe he loves being a mechanic and being paid for it is almost secondary um because one of these like And the thing is is that yes they're both right which is why this is such a dangerous thing because yes i do like getting paid for my work um i do like doing a good job too so is that cynicism but to me it's how do you want to perceive your world and the way you live in the world because yes people and i remember even thinking about this myself Um, all altruism is self-interest. It's just like one of the most cynical things you can say. Now,
0: but nevertheless, very true.
1: Yeah, and like to, I still find like when I'm trying to be charitable, I don't like look at me. I'm charitable because the cynical me thinks
0: that's like that's just. It's so vain. It's so vain. Like you're not actually being charitable. Like like every time I walk by a mirror, I like make a point not to look because it feels so much like vanity.
1: (laughs) Yeah. It's just
0: as extreme to do the opposite. Like the person who looks in the mirror every time they walk by it is just as extreme as me walks by it and refuses to look in the mirror for the, for the exact opposite reason. Like moderation would dictate that. Well, if there's something on your face and it offends other people like spinach in your teeth, If you're already in front of a mirror, you should check it. Like, that's just a a rational, efficient way of going about your day in a civilized society.
1: Yeah, and I think...
0: But cynicism is like an extreme, is I guess what I'm getting at.
1: It is an extreme. It's an extreme position. Um, And I think I don't like it because I used to be very, very, very cynical. And I see that person I used to be.
0: You're talking yeah. about the contemporary sense though, right? Yes. Yeah. Well, I'm more like, distinguishing I, I, from the philosophical. Yeah. Because like so, yeah.
1: um, I used to be that that individual who thought people were just using me to, you know, as a, you know, corporate pawn to make money off of me.
0: <laughs> you were probably right.
1: <laughs> I was working at Starbucks, so I was definitely right. Yes, um, the
0: shareholders will all agree to that.
1: yeah no it was your third home it's like yeah if by home you mean prison (laughs) oh sorry i i'm definitely cynical about starbucks because i had a bad time there um but like i can't dwell on it i can't make that my identity i can't be like oh i'm someone that hates starbucks it's like and like i'm not gonna also go up to people and be like you bought at starbucks how dare you it's just like don't you know that they enslave people it's like no it's, it's like no you, people are allowed to enjoy things i'm not gonna you know enforce my cynicism on other people and just because i'm still cynical about it doesn't mean i have to let that rule me um i'm also cynical about the years i wasted you know aimlessly trying to figure out what i needed to do with my life um
0: but see, I wouldn't call that aimless. I would say the aim was figuring out what you wanted to do, and it just happened to take time. Things yeah. often take time. So to me, the cynicism is the perspective that th- something was wasted or lost yeah, in and the process. That's I realize that, in my mind. but I think
1: that's just sour grapes when I look at it from, you know, take my cynicism hat off and I just put on a different hat and be like, I'm just mad I'm getting older. Like, that's just time. Mm-hmm. I need to come to terms with that. And just put on my stoicism hat. <laughs> and uh, that's a lot healthier for me, too, because, you know, I, I don't want to live a world of anger towards the things I have to live with in this
0: world. It's but, like,
1: I do hate things, of course. I'm human. I'm not Jesus.
0: Um, there are useful <laughs> facets to cynicism, though. Like, for people, contingency planning, for example. You have to imagine situations that where things go wrong to preemptively plan for them so that you're prepared if they do go wrong. Oh, So having definitely. the ability to be cynical is very useful as a planner or a manager for just one example. Well, Another example could be like with um, somebody in court. So very acutely and astutely identifying language and semantics and, and loopholes and like the script, um, the inscriptions of our acts and bills and, and legal proceedings like parliamentary process is extremely cynical. Like uh, science, we've talked about it before on the channel. Like science is pure cynicism. You're basically trying to disprove everything you know. That's yeah. the scientific method. And but, what you don't know, you're trying to prove whether or not what you th- your conjectures. So it's not in it's not intrinsically a negative thing to be negative. It's very productive to be negative in many instances. But I think what you're getting at is the overarching negativity where things are just boundlessly negative for absolutely no purpose or aim or goal.
1: Yeah. And it is like if you're writing or, and you brought up the court, or if you're trying to figure out, I guess something in history, even you can ask the question, like what's in it for them, which is a good question. Like, why did they do this? Well, what did they get out of it? Simply, that's a good question to ask. Like, cause yeah, just we like,
0: expect that from our research to like mention conflicts of interest and things like that. Yeah. And so, well,
1: what did they get out of it? Well, he got, you know, a new fife and he got a bunch of new peasants to build a castle with. So it's like, that sounds like a good motivation. But then, you know, you get people who are like, well, if you just all you need to do to, uh, um, to make it, or to find things out in journalism is just follow the money it's like money isn't the only motivation buddy <laughs> or it's pretty um pretty close
0: to it <laughs> it's
1: pretty close I, I, I and i or you get um what was that other one you know you, um i forgot what it was my brain's a little fuzzy but uh that, that's that's probably a good example cuz like you just you're boiling it down, you're boiling your universe to a simplistic set of motivations that um, you're placing yourself almost uh, separate from. Well, obviously, it's almost like solipsistic wank, but um, <laughs> but you're also placing yourself uh, in a weird dichotomy uh, where you're in competition with everyone else in the world. And to some extent, yes, you are. But you know, if you're on a hockey team, you're not in competition with everyone on the ice. You're on, you're in competition with your own body, you know, skate faster. You're also in competition with the other team, but you're not in competition with your goalie. Uh, <laughs> you're not in competition with the defense. You're not in competition with the guy in left wing.
0: Well, like, you might be if you're competing for ice time. Yeah. Um, but just splitting hairs.
1: Splitting hairs, you, it depends on your focus, but at the same time you need, like, if it's, if you're on a shift together, you need to work together. But, and So you're putting yourself in a position where you're almost putting yourself in a harder position in life and you need other people. Like not all other people just choose the people you're with carefully. Yeah. Reject those people that seem to make, Bad decisions over and over and over and over and over again that hurt people. Like oh, you sort you of say that them. like
0: it's it's <laughs> negative though. Like what's so terrible about being in competition with every other person in the world? If it's a friendly competition, like yes. when you and I kick a ball around, we don't give each other the oh, easiest possible yeah. pass because that's not fun. You're it's right. Not engaging. You got to like give the other person some sort of challenge. So
1: right. So I'm thinking. I was thinking more of like zero sum competition rather than like you know healthy competition like yeah uh, i think
0: it's important to underline that though because competition itself a no, lot of I, people I, will interpret as I'm not, productive I'm not i'm not
1: anti-competition at yeah. all in <laughs> fact i wish there was a you know um i heard a there's a what do you call it medical expenses are high what do you do well you hire you graduate more doctors so there's more competition with doctors they have to improve their skills and their prices go down so they oh no they can't afford two mercedes benzes and all of a sudden you have a better healthcare system because of competition uh, it's the capitalist dream and it's very <coughs> simplistic but then like you know competition on that hockey thing is like yeah you got to push harder
0: you got to um exactly what you said and um I think it's important to note that it's not inherently negative to be cynical or pessimistic. I I just want to line that out because a lot yeah. of what we're talking about today is sort of like the, how it's wrong to be cynical or like it, how, when I was cynical, I had to change myself to be better or something like that. I think
1: Yeah. And I think, cause there is a place for it. It's just, I think my, my contention with it is, is that we've, um, we've glamorized it to such an extent that um, it's, it's, it's honestly getting annoying <laughs> and um we've made this world where you know people go around as adults saying like oh the world crushed my dreams blah 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 it's like your dreams sucked you were 15 make new ones make better ones like yeah, you seem like should be to constantly evolving <laughs> plus i have more than one dream <laughs> i still have i'm getting new dreams all the time sometimes i crush them because like no I don't want to do my own plumbing. <laughs> like I thought I could rewire my house and it'd be awesome. I had plugs everywhere. It's like, no, I'm going to go put my effort somewhere else. It's, it's a neat dream, but it's a dumb one for me. But um, like, I still want to get my pilot's license. That's still a dream. It's not crushed because I'm 35 now and I can't become a commercial pilot. <laughs> Shut up. No, I'm just haven't done it yet. Um, I have dreams that are more important right now. And I, think this i think what i'm talking about right now is more is less this glamorization of cynicism which it is but the component of it is in a misunderstanding of freedom because you think you have all this freedom when you're a child you have this perfect freedom where you can run around everything is fine and new and you can explore but then you got to give up all your freedom when you grow up and like get a desk job and stuff like that well yes you have a job but you have you, you you your freedom that you have as a child isn't a useful freedom that you can attain as an adult. And um
0: it's not very rewarding either. Like if you had a childish freedom as an adult, what could you possibly experience that is mature? Everything right. you'd experience would be just, you know, playland, Lego. And I Pluto. think
1: I think this actually brings us to the ancient uh cynics too as well because their embracement of nature was that natural animalistic freedom um that you know i should be able to go off and do whatever i want in nature but then you know you have um that's one of my professors put it that's like an eleutheria this um greek notion of freedom but we have this different sort of freedom where okay i'm gonna i'm gonna put my work in and then i will gain the freedom that I will have, I have now the freedom to have children and a house. And I have now, and the house gives me a freedom to have more privacy. And the, and these freedoms that I've worked for are a lot more valuable than a perfect, than a, uh, uh, undistilled freedom that I could have if I went out and lived in nature. Cause now I also have the freedom to not die of an infection when I'm, you know, 42. So that's pretty
0: cool. And, yeah, choose where you go on holiday or go camping or something like you can do all these things with the responsibility you have of having to maintain a livelihood and a body you can now do exponentially more with that investment of yeah, your time and energy
1: this is kind of like oh, what was his name jocko's thing that like discipline equals freedom um which is like the best motivation ever but the um the uh i think A lot of us are just holding on to that um, that child, these childhood notions, because it's being we're being shown that being child, being a child, is the ideal of what it means to be human. Like small nitpick as an example, um, people are naming their children, and they're not naming their children for who they will be as an adult. So you're not, so you know, you get a kid whose name like, oh, it's Billy, but this Billy's a boy's name. Billy's not a man's name. And so Billy needs to grow up into William. And you get a lot of this now where you have these uh, people are naming their kids as if they're like a doll and they aren't naming their kids for the adults that they see them becoming because it's nice to have a child in the house and children are so wonderful, aren't they? Well, they are wonderful when they grow up into, you know, wonderfully competent, and responsible adults. You know, that's what a parent wants, right? Right. (laughs) So that might be stretching a bit, but, um, it's kind of where I'm coming from. I I don't know if I made much sense there.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Um, I guess what I would, I would comment on on that is it sounds sort of like, uh, nostalgia is being romanticized as the ideal it's like people are are hanging their hats on a rack of nostalgia as if that itself is enough feel good for the rest of your life rather than making new experiences to feel good about let's just be as childish and as infantile as possible to hold on to whatever's left of our our innocence from youth you have like I, a just knack th- I think it's for such pulling a regressive out the perfect word. <laughs> What's up?
1: You have a knack today for pulling out the perfect word. <laughs> <laughs>
0: well, I just I think it's really um it it's dangerous. Like it's a hazard to society to raise children or to raise adults who are children. Mm-hmm. And like the most obvious reflection of that to me is in like advertising. If you look at commercials. How they just tell you what to think and be with imperatives directly. Like I wrote a song about it because it just drives me insane. Uh, Consumer divorce. But I have to go back and listen to that again. (laughs) The way they present marketing material is in big, bold, bubble letters, lots of colors, infographics, almost no text, no thought process. They tell you exactly what it is and how to feel about it. They'll say, This car makes you more powerful. They don't even let you fantasize about your own car. They tell you how this car is going to make you feel when you buy it at a 3.9 APR.
1: <laughs> well, my problem with that is like, and I, it's a good point because one thing I've noticed is that, uh, well, my my father-in-law, he notices how advertising is like a big, dumb old man, you know, who's like got this woman showing him how to not be big and dumb and oafish. And he's like, they're making fun of me. And he's not the most complicated man he's a good man but he's he's simple and simple is not a derogatory term simplicity is something
0: no i admire it actually yeah and he's he's
1: he's kind of like oh this is offensive but like he's not gonna he's not gonna dwell on it and get bitter about it because he's not a cynical man yeah
0: it's commercial like who cares
1: (laughs) but it's just it's happening so much that it's kind of like you know it's rubbing him the wrong way and There's also this tendency of, you know, you have these, they're presenting men right now as these like, like men who should be, you know, working their butts off in their early twenties is like these man children who, I don't know. It's, it's almost, it's almost odd because you see these men and they're just overly happy about all this stuff. And it's just, it's off putting because men aren't supposed to kind of have that unrestrained glee uh i know it's like well unbridled gaiety (laughs) yeah and i'm just like i like like i can be happy about things but i've never been one to just be like yay um even that was a show like i couldn't do that at starbucks which is one of the reasons i was miserable there um because i'm I'm happy about things that are worth being happy about i'm not going to just be happy because something i like happened or um.
0: but again is there really any harm in it like i'm not saying i'm offended by the commercials i just think it's telling of where the mentality of adults the people who buy and spend money Mm -hmm. it's telling of where their mentality is if the smartest social psychologists in the world are advertising in this way that just shows you that that's how people already are if that type of marketing is working
1: and so you get, instead of like, and this is the marketing to men is almost the most, because marketing to women hasn't really changed much. Um, it's a bit more, you can be a strong woman, but like strong women are great. <laughs> I don't know why you'd want a weak one. Um, like, because, um, now weak isn't meek. That's a difference.
0: Uh, meek is like someone who could be
1: strong, but restrains himself. Um
0: But if they're going to keep marketing to women as saying like, you need to be beautiful and have this type of figure and do this, women are still going out and paying money for, uh, not narcotics, cosmetics. Like they're (laughs) still spending billions of dollars per year, not on health, but on cosmetics. Right. So the marketing follows the social. So you get
1: men right now who are being marketed and told to be happy about meaningless games and products, childish things. Men are like, I find it weird how, um, it's like, I you know, I worked at a board game restaurant. I don't know if any of them are watching. Sorry guys, but everyone was obsessed with games and like games are fun. I like playing games and like, I've got a steam account and whatnot, but like games come after work and I was working towards stuff and I, I felt like I couldn't get into the culture of the board game restaurant because I was, I had goals beyond, you know, buy next game, play next game, be happy for it, you know, rinse, repeat. And I felt like this is a good way to, you know, find myself 55 and not having achieved anything. Um, Cause I had just recently at that time gone, gotten to the age of like 23, 24 and gotten like, Oh boy, I need to get everything together. And you know, that desperation, I slammed myself into the books. Was so that
0: and- cynicism then that helped you change your mind or gravitate away from the board tables no that for that for me that was
1: desperation (laughs) um i needed to become more than i was because i didn't like what i saw my future is and i saw that childish me um in the culture of the gaming industry like i'm not saying the games are bad but like everything in moderation but when you make your life about i'm a gamer or i'm a um i just want to you know I just want to do things I like. It's like, yeah, we all do. But that comes after work. That comes after you putting the discipline of uh uh of effort in. And that's to me was a place I didn't want to go because I felt I could become cynical from that position. And um, you know, I find myself like if I had not put all the effort I had in, in the last like 12 years. And I would be a cynical mess right now at the age of 35 going like, Ooh, why don't I have these things? It's like, cause you haven't worked for them yet. And, <laughs> and, you, and I was clearly sin-
0: proud of your accomplishments and rightfully so. And I think yeah. that's the benefit and emphasis we should be having on maturity. Hmm. It's not the sake of being like more aware than others or more mature than others or, you know, standing taller than other people. I think what we really forget to, to accentuate when we're, um, when we're behaving with like the youth watching, when people are looking up to us, Mm -hmm. when we act childish, it sort of gives them lead to do the same, to grow into adult children. Yeah. And I think we should be more mindful of the ways that we choose to spend our time and the discipline we apply to our own lives because there are young people watching. I think the best way to to side skirt all the negatives of cynicism, like the non-philosophical cynicism, but like the colloquial contemporary yeah. cynicism that and we're cynicism talking about as a tool. Yeah, I, I think the best way around that is to show more emphasis on the rewarding feeling of fulfillment, the greater longevity of a fulfilling endeavor or practice, as opposed to an immediate gratification. Like, delayed gratification is so underappreciated, especially amongst the youth. But I've noticed even in adults today, whereas it used to be something to come home to a scotch or something like that, that was, you know, the old man's drink after work. But, like, to see a bar 20 years ago or 40 years ago and to see a bar today, like, you see all these people filling them like patios and stuff at like five in the afternoon <laughs> Six yeah in the afternoon. well like, you got this
1: party mentality hasn't even been put in yet <laughs> like i'm i was talking about the man children but the party uh the party mentality where it's just like oh, i just want to party my entire life this is the best why wouldn't i do this all right it's like it's just hedonism it's like you haven't read lucretius buddy <laughs> <laughs> there's That's sacrifice good, like, in hedonism
0: <laughs> yeah and you have no appreciation whatsoever for epicurean of mm-hmm. uh, schools of thought if you don't taste proper gourmet food if you're just eating craft dinner over and over again just because you like food doesn't make you an epicure you know yeah and there's a lack of experience there like a depth of knowledge and experience that's completely overlooked when when you live through this cynical yeah lands.
1: and i think um i think your conclusion there is actually a good place to stop um because I think you uh, you put a nice, neat little bow on, on that. So um, if you've made it to this point, um, I'd like to thank all our uh, viewers for, uh, you know, we do have a couple viewers and that's nice. And we've made it to 20 episodes. This is part of uh, our little discipline that we've made for ourselves to keep ourselves going during the pandemic also because we want to do it. So, Um, it's nice to get to 20. Uh, maybe we'll do something fun at 25.
0: Yeah. Um, Streamers. And if we can ever go to the store again, we can get some of that silly string.
1: Yeah. (laughs) We'll have a
0: adult, you know, respectable party. Mm. (laughs) Um, so yeah. Uh, I think. Thanks for tuning in. Check out the RSS feed for the audio only version. If you don't want to lose all your data streaming YouTube videos in 1080p. (laughs) We do have podcasts up, and uh, the, the uh, RSS feed is linked in the description below, and those usually go up slightly before the YouTube one, so if you're antsy to get your hands on uh, our latest episodes, that's the spot to hit it. But uh, as always, like, comment, share, and subscribe. It's free, and it's the best way to support this channel. We're here just promoting education, growth, uh, long-form discussion, and hopefully you all get something beneficial out of it. So thanks for watching.
1: See you guys later.